Welcome to Travel Tastemakers, a new podcast series hosted by me, Peter Gould. In my 25 years in the travel industry, I've been a publisher of travel directories, CEO of one of the world's largest hotel consortia, and founder and chairman of Worldwide Events, which is my current position. In traveling around the world to my events, where luxury hotel buyers meet luxury hotel services, I'm lucky enough to talk to some of the most interesting people in this industry. This episode is with Roxy Robinson, founder and CEO of Rockstar Concierge. Roxy started her first business at just 17 years old. And from then until now, she seems to have experienced every job in the world of travel and events. She's based between Cape Town and London and has offices in both locations. As you'll hear, she's certainly had a colorful career and I asked her about the highs and lows from 17 until now. So I'm originally from very humble beginnings and then my father brought the concept of vending machines to Africa and did very well. My mother's British and my mom was not happy living in South Africa anymore. So they decided to immigrate. And I was 17 at the time, not wanting to go and do two more years in the UK. And as a 17 year old girl, you think you know it all. So I stayed behind and had to make a way for myself and make money. And I was at a private old girls school. And even though we had money, I was always taught the value of money. So if I wanted a dress, I had to work as a promotion girl selling toothpaste or whatever it is. So that was my first business. I hustled 20 of my most beautiful girlfriends, taught them all I knew and started that way. Was making great money. My friends were earning money. It was great. You had 20 beautiful girlfriends? Yes. Okay. That had a brain too (laughs) and that could hold their own and yeah, I guess that was the differentiating factor in the role. And then from there, that progressed into the nightclub industry, started doing the VIP table waitresses, started to meet a lot of affluent people and learning a lot about people and how they socialize and what they like. When I was 19, moved myself to London, made peace with my family, opened a division of the promotional girls agency there. Did you know everything by 19 that you didn't know at 17? Oh, wow. I, it's embarrassing if I look at what I was. And so you opened this uh, promotional girls agency in London when you were 19. Yeah, that, and that so embarrassing. Well. My, name, my company's name back there was Roxy Robinson's Models. I mean, please, such a Zaris. Well, it's sort of thing you see in a telephone book in London often. <laughs> <laughs> but I know it was all very above board. Yes. And met an American guy that was fascinated by the way I, I could manage these girls and have them upsell and like really learn about people and I'd remember things so if you were a client at the club you told me a story about your grandmother and you come the next week I would remember our conversation and that started spreading and like wow this girl Roxy actually cares and she's compassionate and like and I was good at connecting people so this American guy was like you need to come to America and you do what you do in London for me there and I was like, sounds great. I really wanted to get into events though. He's like, cool, I can help you. So we're in the process and he was like, okay, wait, how old are you? I'm like, I'm 19. He's like, honey, phone me when you're 21. My birthday called him, moved to the States. Learned- Which city? LA, I'm guessing? <laughs> no, Vegas. Okay, fair Yeah, enough. Li- lived in <laughs> Vegas for nine months of my life. That's where I learned everything that I know now about the events game and 
all different kinds of people. What sort of events were you doing? I was working at the Red Rock, I was working at the Palms, so it was all like nice. Private or corporate stuff? Well, for the actual hotels. All oh, right, so yes, yeah. the, the internal events management, yes. Yeah, and then we also did a, quite a lot of corporate stuff there too. Met the marketing manager of A Small World, and he wanted me to be the Africa ambassador for them, moved back. And I was just doing that as an advisor, but then realized that, goodness, I actually have the friends if you wanted to go on a safari. It was my friend's reserve I was, I was endorsing. So I was like... So, so you were saying you, you learned how the affluent lived and socialised. Yes. And you've sort of gone from 17 to 22, 23 here and already you've got friends with the rich and famous. Yeah. Already Small World, which was so cool at the time, so was cool. asking you to be the ambassador. How did you connect to that crowd? Were you already part of that crowd? I guess to a degree, a lot of my friendship circles were... And you know how it is, family, friends, and it's all about who you know. So, yeah, definitely it was my friendship groups that just expanded from there. But then moving back to South Africa and realizing that I, I have that potential, I started a small business servicing the members and then servicing my clients. And then that grew to a few destinations. So the small world became, everyone was contacting you, you were the ambassador. So you had all these wealthy people saying, I'm coming in town, you're putting them together. So you're one yeah. of the few people who actually really made something out of a small world, actually. Exactly. Well, I'm guessing it must happen everywhere. Yeah. It's just, no, just me who didn't make anything. <laughs> uh, and oh my God, that's such a great story. Yeah. They're here as well, you know, at the event. So small world marketing is here. Oh, so they turned it into a, uh, a luxury travel company. Okay. Anyway, that's a, a by the side. Yeah. Right. So I, okay, I'm getting it now. Yeah. Uh, so you had all these people basically getting in touch with you on a website saying, I'm coming to Africa. I need to spend £20,000 a night out and meet loads of lovely people. Yes. And where do I go and whatever. So that's how it started. And then I made a few contacts in the government. And then I pitched for the 2020 World Cup for FIFA when we had the football there. When you say, I, uh, when you, say you pitched, what, what, to do what? To do a few of the tender projects. So I landed quite a few massive accounts, made a couple of million, and that was the game changer for me. Can you say, without too much detail, what were you doing? Yeah. Like handing hospitality inbound, basically? Correct. So, but very high-end, looking after some of the football players, their wives and girlfriends, a lot of their high-profile clients that would come in on their private jets and I would coordinate everything for them private security, hotels, hospitality, everything. And from there, that was my game changer. That really allowed me to invest in my idea of hiring concierge and events. And still to this day, some of those clients that I met and serviced at the World Cup are my retainer clients now. And when you said your idea of high-end concierge, mm. can I just ask you to expand that a bit. What, what is your concept of a high-end concierge? If I was to put it in a box, a lot of my clients are very wealthy, but time poor. And for me, I always saw that as the gap where if I can actually understand you and think for you and just preempt your future to make your life easier, to create opportunities for you to live extraordinary moments allow you to have your story be amazing because you're trying to run so many companies, you have a family, you've got a million things in your mind. You don't have time to think of 
everything. And that's where I really wanted to come in because I've got such a compassionate heart for people and I love people and I love understanding why people do certain things. So for me, being in concierge is more about how can I make your life better? How can I add value to you and understand the emotion behind you why you do things or so do you do it all yourself or do you now have a team that has to take on your values and principles they all have to do that um i have a team of 27 full-time and 120 part-time and where are the 27 based between south africa and london gosh mostly south africans because south africans love to work hard yes and they're on clock watches like the struggle i've found in in london mm-hmm. So what you're saying is in this saturated market, you got in basically by small world and the World Cup. They were your two things. That's and after that, it, it took off. But you mm-hmm. had to keep the clients. You had to service them. Yes. So what services do you do now? Is it a global client base or is it a South African stroke UK client base? So my South African market is 20% of my client base. Massive base in the US, Mexico, across Europe. I have no clients in Asia or Russia, quite a few in Australia. I have 75 clients that are my core clients that I'm on a retainer with that I look after their private jets, holiday homes, yachts and their lives. And then I have membership clients that would use us for a summer holiday and a winter holiday and maybe an event, Grand Prix or whatever it may be. So your clients, what sort of entry level to work with you? How much they got to pay? Are you happy to share that information? Of course. So in our membership sector, it's quite diverse and very niche market. So entry level is a thousand pounds just to be a member, but it's not what we focus on. For us, it's more, we're not a mass market company at all. It just shows they're serious and they're committed. Correct. And you put the work in for them. Correct. And the rest, yeah. Yeah. And I I never want to be a, a large concierge company by any means because I I feel like I'm you know going away from why I'm in the business I know every single client's granny's name I get invited to how many clients do you have roughly also the 75 retainers okay right those are like my my big whales and then in the membership space on paper there's 3,600 but they're not all active how long did it take you to go from just you to 27 you know what? I learned my school fees, let me tell you, because when you come into an immense amount of wealth, you think you know it all. And I went on a hiring spree. At one point, I had hundreds of people working for me and I was just completely overwhelmed. I had no idea how to manage that. And that was a scary space. I had a lot of people come in and out and their entire intention was to learn my trade secrets get to know my clients and my suppliers and how we work. So I definitely learned my lesson in that regard. And that's when I just pulled it in. Also, I, because I didn't come from a hotel background or a travel industry degree or anything like that, I was strong in my clients. You know, that's where my babies were. But the hotel space, you know, I didn't know how that worked. So my business structure was very different because I was just working through DMCs and not doing direct deals through hotels. And that changed three years ago when one of the main guys at Global Sales, a guy called Ahmed, he realized... Global Sales is what a DMC you were using? Oh no, Global Sales for Marriott and Starwood. Okay, understood. Because they were one of my biggest accounts, but through DMCs. Mm -hmm. And anyway, there was a... He was like trying to figure out like who are these clients actually coming from? Because 
there was a trend and he found out it was Detective me. Detective Ahmed found you. Detective Ahmed. And he called me out and he was like, you don't know who I am, but I know who you are and we need to go for lunch. So I was like, all right. And he said, explain your business structure. Like, how do you work? Whatever. And I was like, no, so I work with this DMC. Da, da, da. He's, and he was like naming a few of the accounts in the corporate. So I, I also do corporate space too. And he was like, listen, let me tell you something. You need to be booking directly with the hotels because these DMCs are acting like it's their clients. You're not making anywhere near what you should be making. And you need to start building up a reputation amongst the hotels. And then I was like, it's a whole new ball game for me. I was like, I don't understand. And he was like, I'll guide you through it. And that kind of turned the business around as well. I still... Marriott share price went through the roof. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, that definitely changed the business too. So if we look at now, what is your business now? I mean, because gosh, you've had the typical entrepreneur's journey, success, Mm -hmm. failure, moments of tangent, overexpansion, insights into how you should be doing it. A typical journey. Now it seems like it's a bit more settled, a bit more under control. Yes. Not that it wasn't under control, but you know, you, you seem like you have a, a structure you're comfortable with. What, what is it now? How, how is the company structured? Okay, so we still have our 75 big players and we look after whatever they need. One of my clients... And what would that be, is what I'm saying? What, so, so your typical client, what would you do for them, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so the one client, I shared this with Lou, I get his toilet paper branded for him and I send it to the hotel before he checks in. A what? A square paper? <laughs> his toilet paper. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, like, at that level... You know, they can call me up at any time and be like, Rocks. So this is Donald Trump toilet paper? (laughs) Where did you get that from? Don't they know he's coming? (laughs) (laughs) And um, to the point of, let's say you're having to do a business meeting in New York and I know your favorite food is Italian and I know there's a new Italian restaurant opening up. I would. So the, these clients basically are, they're traveling a lot for business and for pleasure. Correct. Uh, they've got private jet infrastructure often, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of moving parts going on. And yeah. they just basically say, Roxy, I've got to get from New York to Buenos Aires, yeah. get me a hotel, get me a restaurant, and get me the toilet paper. 100%. Okay. And then I also preempt what they can do there. And I'll be like, goodness, you haven't seen your daughter in a while. I'm flying her over. You're having dinner together tonight and I've got tickets to the next game for you and your son tomorrow. Like we think for our clients so that they could be the best version of who they are. Hi, I'm Emily Brooks and I'm the Director of Sales for Private Luxury Events. I want to tell you about our new event, T-Fest, the unmissable new global luxury travel festival powered by AI matchmaking technology to give you more time to connect with the people who really matter. Meet the world's most influential buyers and sellers in luxury travel. We've combined the best things about larger trade shows and intimate networking events to create a vibrant new festival format that's the best of both worlds. Large in scale, but still personal. Be part of the global gathering for the best and the bold. Book your spot now by searching T-Fest AI. So look, I, I've been in the travel industry a bit longer than you have, actually, uh, <laughs> but I've never heard of any service quite like this in the scale that you've done it. I've obviously heard of people having a couple of clients. Yeah. 
Do you think you're unique or is there a whole bunch of these people that are keeping themselves quiet somewhere? I haven't met anyone yet in the level that I work and I'm, I love to be under the radar. I've never been a person that's like, oh, look at me, look at me. And none of my clients are clients that come from a website. They're all by word of mouth and most of that clients all know each other. So I guess, yeah, I've, you like see, that. the story I'm hearing here is not only are you brilliant at servicing and winning customers, but also having the entrepreneurial insight to win the contract for the World Cup yeah. and to do all these things. It's quite a mix, actually. If we could we just focus on the travel side for a second, yes. to, because it's, we're talking about hotels and to travel designers. On the non-corporate side of your bookings, mm-hmm. what are you seeing as the growth segments for the, this very high net worth segment? What, what, sort of, what sort of trips are they looking for? All about experiential. That is their entire focus for a lot of them, especially. And how long has it been like that? For a while now. Yeah. If you go onto my website, rockstarluxurygroup.com, you'll see we have a whole section there broken down into bucket list journeys, signature experiences, where... For example, you could learn how to fly a fighter jet and be a pilot for a day or, oh gosh, what else is really unique? Well, basically, so we've we've identified a few really cool experiences that people are loving to Got any astronauts on your client books yet? You sold (laughs) them to Virgin Galactic. (laughs) A jet, a jet. That would be great. Yes. Okay, so, and where do you see it all going? Because their experiential is sort of, definitely happening in a big vibe is there anywhere to go from there do you think or is 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 that the um what's the next phase if there is any well so I also just started a new business in the wellness sector because obviously everyone's all about wellness my business partner is a very well-known celebrity in that space out of the U.S. and he knows fitness and I know how to make the magic happen so we've partnered together. Is he the business partner in the whole company or just in the wellness space? Just in the wellness business yeah and Goodness, I'm so excited for that. So what? So let's talk us through what you're going to do there that's going to be different, because I'm sure it's not going to be the same as everyone else is doing. What exactly. are you seeing and what are you developing? So we've got the leisure wellness retreats seg- um, segment where we're hosting one retreat a month in different destinations. And then we have our corporate wellness retreat segment. And the difference, I guess, is a lot of people in the wellness space either are good at wellness. There's a struggle between wellness and what we do as travel designers and no one's combined that to the level that we're looking to do it at. These are fixed dates? Yes. And that's interesting in this level of market because I would have thought they're not so quite keen on fixed dates, but yeah. obviously it's working for you. What, yeah. are, what sort of hotels do you take over? Really top ends? Really top end. We've got Full one takeovers com- of the hotels? Um, no, okay. not, the, not the leisure retreats. Yeah. Those are quite small and bespoke. Yeah. We've got one coming up now at Canivis State Property and as Mayakoba. Yeah. We do quite a lot in the Maldives. Uh, could I do? And when you do a leisure retreat, is it meditation, yoga, or is it gym work and uh, crystal healing? What, what What's going on? Are they, are they got the same format or they're different? So there's a whole bunch of activities that guests can choose which they'd prefer to do. To the, the level of we would actually send clients a DNA test that we would send to our labs in Switzerland, get those results ready for them when they arrive at the retreat. So we understand what our guests want to achieve out of it. What age group are these people? 
We market differently for different retreats. So for example, we're doing another one here in Dubai at the W and then obviously that's a much younger crowd with a party element too that wants to socialize and we've got model influences and so it's a whole different ball game there. So I would imagine that a lot of the clients you've got and their families, wives, etc., or their husbands, depending on who the, the, the who's running the businesses. Yeah. Health is going to be very important to these guys. Exactly. De-stressing, uh, longevity of life. Yes. Are you finding you're developing products in this space for them? Definitely. That's the whole reason why we've decided to really invest in opening this new business and make that a priority. Logically, it's right, isn't it? Because beyond experiences, what you want to do is live longer to do more experiences and to use travel to do that. And you're doing the DNA testing. And is there a medical element being put into these things yet? Or can you see that coming? Yes, with some of the hotels that we partner with and we allow them to do what they do best, like Revivo Wellness, they're incredible. So yeah, it's all hotel focused. We determine the program and package that we send out. So now we've heard about Roxy's career in her business, I wanted to hear about some of her clients. I asked her for some of the craziest things she's had to do before, and her answers do not disappoint. I once had a client who started to date a girl who was just fresh out of school, who is obsessed with her dog. And I had to sit on his yacht listening to his girlfriend and looking at her mood boards of her telling me she wants us to plan a wedding for her dog to the degree of like wedding cake made out of dog food for <laughs> <laughs> the dogs. She had a mood board. Mood board, my friend. <laughs> it, no, it had, was just wild. like, had the dog been engaged at this point? I said, listen, okay, this is all fair and well, but when am I having a meeting with the dog? Do you know what I mean? We need to test what food he likes. It was a joke. What was the dog? Do and you it was, know? Oh, it was a it was ugly, first of all. Okay. Was so no, no one want to marry that dog. I'm <laughs> saying you do. <laughs> You're being very hopeful, young lady. Start with a new dog. <laughs> and um, so he had asked me to do, give him 20 minutes of my time to his meeting. I sat there for 45 minutes. I walked off the yacht. I, I was in a bar at the time working and he, and he phoned me originally to have this meeting and I was like I'm in a bar he's like I'm sending her on the yacht she'll be there tomorrow so was, where was he you were in Croatia and he was no he was working in London okay. making the money and Fair then enough. this girl's just, just on chilling. his yacht yeah this girl's just living in her bed. bar as well well no he sent her on the yacht to her bar to have this meeting Fair with enough. me so after this whole situation bachelor party wild let me tell you wild so the dog had a bachelor party <laughs> no one said me to organize this whole thing wild so I get off the yacht I go to the first bar I see in Navarre by myself I'm, I'm like I can't even speak at this point I just point to the waiter the, the wine I want he brings in the wine I down the wine and I phone my client I said number one I said you know that holiday I booked for you in the Maldives do you know how expensive it was he's like yeah I said just wait to get an invoice for 45 minutes of my time <laughs> number one <laughs> number two there's no amount of money in the world you can offer me to do a dog's wedding I mean are you joking that's my reputation I'm gone and that wasn't the only strange request Roxy's had well, so fitting because we're here in Dubai. Yeah. There's one of my favorite resorts out here called the Al Maha in the desert. 
beautiful villas, infinity pools, and magic. So I had a client. I haven't done a lot of business with him before, but the business I have done was like quite substantial. So I knew he had money to justify his request. But what he wanted was for us to do a full buyout just for him and his wife at the Omaha. So I was like, okay, no problem. I'll check that out for you. And he's like, no, no, but I want 10 camels to be in front of my infinity pool for the entire weekend. So I said, what do you mean 10 camels? And he was like, they must be 10 gay camels. I said, sorry? I was like, did, you, did, did I hear you correctly? And then he was very like, yes, that's what he wants. So I said, I'm very sorry. Can you please delete my number and forget my name and never phone me again? So Roger, what's amazing is you've still got 75 clients on retainer <laughs> when you've just told us four you've sacked. <laughs> so how many would you have if you had someone to pass one and say yes to these requests? You'd be a billionaire by now. Oh, probably, probably. <laughs> but no, that's one thing. I think I've always stayed true to myself and my values and my father actually always taught me this, that if you don't have peace in your heart about a situation or a meeting or whatever it is, walk away. And I've always stayed very true to that. So now we've got to last day on earth. For new listeners, this is the part where we ask people to imagine it's their last day on earth before they travel to the moon and we get their last restaurant, their last hotel and their last view before they travel off forever. Hotel is a hotel that I haven't stayed in yet, but it's it's very dear to my heart and I can't wait to experience it. So that will be the Kuda Du in, in the Maldives. That's my hotel. My restaurant is a beautiful restaurant in Italy in Puglia called the, also my pronunciation being South African is a fail, but Grotto de Palette. Very good. <laughs> <Yeah>. Almost natural there. <laughs> Yeah, well done. I mean, magic. You're literally dining in a cave. It's so beautiful. And my favorite view has got to be South Africa in Clifton. That's... I listen. That view in Clifton is beautiful. I haven't yeah. done the other two, but they're on my list now. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Roxy. That was lovely. Thank you beautiful. so much. Thank you. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, I'd be very grateful if you helped us by subscribing and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen to it and by sharing it with your colleagues. 